Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone. I, as Jeff mentioned, I think I have been here maybe a few New Year's Eves, and uh, I think we're pretty confident that uh, I was here on New Year's Day of 2017, and now I'm glad uh, to be back. It's nice to be back here on uh, the last day of the year. So, started and ended the year, and uh, so <clears throat> the bookends of the year. Uh, let me give you uh, my greetings. I want to pass along greetings from the brothers and sisters at uh, Reform Presbyterian Church in warm and balmy and sunny Dwaynesburg this morning. Um, but we do uh, want you to know we are praying for you all. Uh, we enjoy and are, are grateful to be connected and serving in Christ's kingdom with you. Well, it might be cold outside this morning, but we have a passage here that warms the heart and warms the soul, a message from God. And our portion of scripture this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to be looking specifically at verses 27 to 31. And I invite you to turn to Isaiah 40 and kind of put a placeholder on chapter 27 or verse 27. But I want to talk first a little bit as you're turning there about the context of this chapter in the book of Isaiah, because we're, we're going to be reading right at the end of a chapter. The book of Isaiah is filled with prophetic poetry. There are uh, poems that are called oracles. That is, God speaks through the prophet, through poetry, speaks to his people. He speaks oracles that are both positive and negative. They're oracles of salvation and redemption and deliverance, but also of judgment. Well, our chapter, chapter 40, is one of those positive ones. It's an oracle of salvation. And this chapter starts a long section in the book of Isaiah from chapter 40 to 55, in which God promises consolation and hope to an exiled people. The chapter itself begins with the wonderful promise of comfort. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Two times the blessing in exchange for the amount of sin committed, which was great. You may be familiar with that if you've recently heard Handel's Messiah through the Christmas season. That is the opening song, the prophecy of salvation from Isaiah 40. As I mentioned here, the prophet addresses a fearful, exiled people. They're tend to be unbelieving of the promises of God. And look at the promises that are in the chapter. The way of salvation needs to be prepared. The word of God endures forever. And because of the greatness of God, he will always be supreme. Nothing compares to God. Yet in the midst of this, our section of the chapter appears and it starts with a question. Let's read that now, verses 27 to 31. 
Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We've just read God's holy word. Let's pray. Fathers, as I look to the bulletin this morning, I see this section says you speak. God speaks. And we praise you for speaking to us this morning. We thank you for that. We thank you for the chance to gather in your house on your day to hear your word. We pray that you would speak to us now, that your Holy Spirit would lighten and illumine us with your great truths, that we would have ears to hear. Thank you for preserving your word. Thank you for having it translated into our common language. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that it is because of your shed blood on the cross that we can come before you asking you these things and trusting that you are that comfort for us that we need. Help us now, Lord, as we hear from your great holy word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Despite all those promises of God, those words, those promises of comfort in our passage, what did our verse 27 begin with? What did it start with? A question. Not just any question, but a question of lament, of grief and confusion. It's a challenging question, and it puts us into the mindset of the people that God was speaking to, weak, oppressed, faint, and wondering where God is and what he's doing. Have you ever had thoughts, feelings like that, wondering what God was doing in your life? Do you know others that feel this way? I have good news for you this morning because we get to hear God's response to those questions. And he speaks to us this morning with words like this. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. That is a standout verse in our passage. And this morning I want to work through the passage, these four verses, with that idea before you. Let me summarize God's message for you this morning in this way. First, you need renewed strength. Secondly, those who wait for the Lord get renewed strength from him. Therefore, you need to wait for the Lord. You need renewed strength. Those who wait for the Lord get renewed strength from him. Therefore, wait for the Lord. Let us first consider the need for renewed strength. 
Looking at verse 27 one more time. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Two questions are posed here. A more literal way of saying this is, why are you continually saying, O Jacob, and why are you continually speaking, O Israel, about this? Saying, my way is hidden, as if they're saying over and over, God, don't you see the difficulties in my life? Are you hiding from me? And my right is disregarded, as if they're saying, we are people, your covenantal people, in relationship with you. Aren't you going to show mercy? When are you going to act, God? They are laments, expressing their sorrow and grief. It's a mindset of some uncertainty, of doubt. Maybe they're losing patience. There are signs that they're becoming faint and weary. And dare we say signs of losing confidence in God? They're in need of renewed strength. And if we think about it, in reality, we all need this at times, especially during those dark providences, those difficult times in life. We need renewed strength. Well, what is renewed strength? What do we mean by this phrase? What is meant here saying, the Lord shall renew their strength? To the original audience that Isaiah prophesied to, they were a people who were exiled, oppressed, and powerless. They were prisoners. They had no freedom. They're in bondage. They're unable to help themselves. Perhaps this condition makes you think of ancient Israel in Egypt, in bondage and slavery to Pharaoh during the days of Moses, prior to the Exodus. It's a similar situation in life. And especially note the similarity with what God says after the Exodus. Listen to Exodus 19.4. You'll hear the similarity as they talk about eagles that we've just read about. Moses wrote, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, speaking for God, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. God gave Israel that strength that they couldn't do on their own and delivered them into the wilderness out of Egypt. And once again, here in exile, Isaiah proph prophesies, I will deliver you out of that exile the strength to leave Egypt, the strength to leave a Babylon, is a God-given divine strength. Now, when we talk about strength, what, what, what comes to mind? What do you think of, what's the common idea about strength? If, if you went to the grocery store this week and just struck up a conversation and asked somebody, hey, what, what's strength? Well, we might hear about physical strength. Powerful forces, athletes, or with a muscle to work. We might say to a, a young child, you're as strong as an ox. You might think of a powerful Samson. But then there is mental strength, possessing great intelligence, that ability to discover and invent things. 
might think of an Einstein or the wisdom of Solomon. Or there could be a spiritual strength. Think of the most devout religious people. Or maybe a Saul as a Pharisee, zealous for the law prior to becoming Paul, the Christian and apostle spiritual strength. But these aren't the types of strengths being renewed here, not the type of strengths being talked about. It's not physical strength. Remember Samson's life, it ended in one final act of power. It's not mental strength. Solomon's quest for wisdom in the book of Ecclesiastes, how did that end up? How, how was it summarized? Meaningless, vanity of vanities, literally a vapor that disappears. And it was not spiritual strength. Paul's zeal as a Pharisee turned out to be wrong. And his intensity turned out to actually be persecution against the living God and against the Christ. No, these are not the types of strength we're talking about here. The type of strength that's being renewed here is a divine strength. Divine strength. It's God's strength. The strength that comes from God. And what a difference there is between man's strength and God's strength. This divine strength never fails. One preacher, Charles Spurgeon, preaching on this passage, describes this divine strength. Listen to what he says. Divine strength is a measureless fountain where you can go and draw strength for all eternity and it would never be exhausted. Drawing strength that never weakens, never exhausted. He says, you might be weak, but if you are united to the divine strength, you shall be infinitely strong. A man is nothing, but with God in him, he makes hell tremble. And then he concludes, Oh, the glory of the strength of God. I cannot speak of it. I will not contrast it with the strength of man. It would be to contrast everything with nothing and infinity with non-existence. That's the kind of strength we need, isn't it? Divine strength. That is to say, this renewed strength, when we're talking about it, it is a replacement of our weakness with divine strength. It's an exchange of our fatigue and weariness with a power that comes from God himself. And that's why our text says in verse 29, he gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Why might you need this renewed strength? Why might you need it in 2018? Let me suggest a few places to look. First of all, it's needed in the world today. We have seen the effects of the fall in 2017 in so many ways. We've seen the struggle of politics. We've seen wars, disasters, violence, abuse, busyness. It's needed in the world today. It's needed here in the church, 
There are external challenges. Culture, an unbelieving culture, a not yet believing culture, secularism, persecution of brothers and sisters in Christ. And perhaps even worse, there are internal challenges in the church. A lack of unity, disagreement among brothers and sisters in Christ, and rampant false teaching that's not in line with the will of God or Scripture. We need renewed strength in the church today. To make it more personal, you need renewed strength in your own life. Sin has consequences. There is affliction in relationships. There's the idolatry that we've heard about from the catechism. Finances, health, losing loved ones. Friends and family that are not yet believers in Christ. We need strength to deal with these things. The list could go on. But let me add one more. We need renewed strength to aid and help in the lives of others around us. Maybe we're doing okay. Maybe we're having a good day. Maybe we feel strong. You will surely find someone who isn't having a good day, who needs strength. Somebody in the church, a neighbor, a caregiver, even a stranger. So God uses these opening questions in our passage to point us to our need for renewed strength, divine strength. When you think of all these needs in the world, in the church, in your life, in the lives of others around you, do you sense that need for renewed strength? Are you tempted to wonder sometimes, God, are you hidden? Are you watching? Will you act? Not only does God use these questions to show us the need, but he, he gives us these questions of lament and uncertainty to focus us on his answer. He responds to the questions and he points us to himself. So we've looked at the need. Let's next consider the source of renewed strength and how it's given to us. Look again at verse 28. Hear these questions. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. So here the Lord answers for himself. He himself is the source of power and strength. He gives renewed strength to those who wait for him. He speaks of a divine power and his providence in your lives. The Lord is the source of strength. His answer started to the lament questions with another question in verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? It assumes that the answer really is already known. It's not the first time that these people are hearing it. The answer is already known. Look, behold your God, as we sang. He is the strength. God never needs renewal. He gives three reasons in verse 28. He's the everlasting God. He's eternal. That means he has no beginning 
or end. Nothing in the past, nothing in the present, nothing in the future can ever be outside of his knowledge or his plan and control. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. No nation or people are outside of his knowledge or plan or control. And his understanding is unsearchable. Every detail of life for all time is before him always. He never tires. He never fatigues from any of that. That's amazing. What a great God we have. He is the source of strength. Secondly, he doesn't keep it to himself, but he gives this strength to those who wait on him. Look at verse, verses 30 and 31 again. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young, young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Here the prophet Isaiah uses a comparison to lead us to this conclusion. We have a picture of running powerful athletes. Even the best of us, the strongest, will get weak. The young men here in Israel's time might be the best of the military, the ones with the most physical strength, as well as the most mental strength. Think of elite special forces that we have in the U.S. Maybe it's uh, Green Berets or Rangers or SEALs, those amazing um, special forces. But God says, even in them there is a limit to their strength. Even if it's impressive to us, it's nothing compared to the power of God. So Isaiah, inspired by the Holy Spirit, encourages us that we need the renewal of divine strength, and it's available to us. They who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And look how successful it is. Being brought low, you will be brought high, high to soar like eagles, like running and never getting tired, like walking and not getting faint. Well, then the question that might naturally come to your mind is, what does it mean? What does it look like to wait upon him? There are a couple of ways in the original language to talk about waiting. First is a way to wait as if uh, for time to pass. To wait as if time just needs to conclude to get to what you're trying to get to. So Noah had to wait for the floodwaters to recede, to come out of the ark. Just waiting for that to happen. Maybe you have to wait in a long line at a store. You're just waiting to get to your checkout. That's not really the kind of waiting that's spoken of here. There's a different word. This waiting is a waiting with a tense expectation and confidence. Earlier in Isaiah, in uh, chapter 8, verse 17, he refers to a time when God is hiding his face 
and he says, I will wait with tense expectation for him. I will wait for him. It is a waiting with expectation for God himself, not something he'll provide, not something will happen. It's waiting for God to act, depending on him. That's the kind of waiting we're talking about here. It's interesting that when the original language, Hebrew, was translated into Greek, and the word that we tend to use from this, get from this, is hope. Waiting with expectation, hope, a confident hope. Don't you love the name of your church? All of this is behind that name. You have it as a constant reminder. Because of Christ, because of the power of God, here is a real, true hope. Hope, church. It's not optimistic wishing. Maybe the odds will turn in my favor and by chance things will work out. It's not that kind of hope. Rather, it is waiting with confidence for God, for His grace, for His mercy, for His deliverance, for God's presence Himself. The pro another prophet, Hosea, chose to wait like this, to hope. He, he prophesied during, of a difficult time, and he trusted God to deliver him and deliver people from foreign oppression. So in Hosea 2.15, he prophesied about the Lord's mercy to Israel by saying, And there I will give her the, her vineyards and make the valley of Achor, that literally means the valley of trouble. He'll make the valley of trouble a door of hope, a door of waiting. And there shall there she shall answer as in the days of her youth and as the times when she came out of the land of Egypt. There's that reference once again to the past faith, faithfulness of God to give you the confidence to wait for him to act. Pointing back to that ex exodus. Waiting on, Lord is to, waiting on the Lord is to trust God, to wait for him with a tense expectation. Because of his past faithfulness, you can trust him with your present and future. So we've spoken of the need for renewed strength, and we've looked at his promise to provide renewed strength to those who wait upon him. This should be very encouraging as you head into a new year. There's always a tense expectation of a new start, a new year, 2018. Well, then I want to conclude by providing some application in, in the form of a, a kind of a resolution based on the passage that follows like this. In 2018, you need to wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord, and he shall renew your strength. I want to speak practically about this. First, waiting on the Lord has a beginning. It begins with repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I talked about the Old Testament word. In the New Testament, the focus continues to shift, and Christ becomes the one to hope for, the one to wait for with expectation. Consider the Apostle Peter's testimony. He was a strong guy up until a certain point, wasn't he? 
bold and brave. At first he was. But his strength failed. How did it fail? He denied the Lord and Savior. He denied his friend. He denied the one he professed to be the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the strength failed of all of those closest disciples. They all deserted. They were weak. This weakness helps us to see how great this news is for God's power. We hear in Romans 5, verses 6 through 8, For while we were still weak, or while we were without power, without strength, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This came true for Peter. Peter was renewed with divine strength of the Holy Spirit. And look what he did. He became a leader in the early church, the preacher of God's grace at Pentecost, when the Comforter would come. Later, Peter would write that Jesus' resurrection opens up a living hope. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So this waiting with expectation is a confident hope in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have this hope in Christ? Do you trust him? Have you turned from your sin towards this living hope to be born again for forgiveness of sins and eternal life? This grace in God, from God is freely offered to you now. Don't let the year end. Don't go into 2018 without repentance and faith in Christ. To wait upon the Lord begins with looking back to the power and faithfulness of God in raising Jesus from the dead and to confidently look to him for forgiveness of sins and eternal life. It all starts with repentance and faith. Well, then, secondly, there's, it doesn't stop there. Secondly, to wait upon the Lord means being a faithful follower of Christ, a disciple. And I want to conclude now by just giving three practical suggestions, things to consider. There may be others you can think of, but I want to give you a few to think about this week. Ways you can wait upon the Lord in 2018 to get renewed strength, to faithfully follow Christ. Three ways. First, getting back to the basics. Back to basics. What we call in the Reformed Church, using the means of grace. You can look, about, look into this more in Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 88. But the means of grace are generally considered the word, sacraments, and prayer. The word. The word of God will renew your strength. 
I see there's plenty of learning opportunities here, Sunday school. Um, I don't know about you, but I, my email gets flooded with re options for Bible reading plans at this time of year. Pick one of those and go with it. They're all going to take hard work and perseverance, but it'll renew your strength. It'll be worth it. Stick to your Bible reading. Listening to sermons, doing devotions as a family or on your own or with friends. These are ways the Word will renew your strength. Are you feeding on the Word of God? Secondly, sacraments. The sacraments will renew your strength. Borrowing from the answer in the Shorter Catechism, they will renew your strength not because of any power in them or in the person who administers them, but only by the blessing of Christ and the working of His Spirit in those who receive them in faith. So we have baptism and the Lord's Supper. Are there any here that need to be baptized? Do you see your baptism as a blessing and source of strength looking back on it? And I heard there was talk that you will be celebrating the Lord's Supper next week. Do you see that as a source of strength and a means of grace? And will you prepare for it? The third means of grace that I want to mention is prayer. Prayer will renew your strength. And specifically, um, as it comes to this kind of uh, need for renewal, I want to read one quote from a theologian who, who addressed this. Even when something seems to have failed and the very bottom of life seems to have fallen out, if we but cry out to God in prayer, if we pray, even if we merely utter groans before the throne of God, it will be enough. We will find almost unexplainable strength to go on. We will find hope. Prayer, the word, and sacraments, the means of grace. Consider your priority of prayer this year. Where do you put it in your list of priorities? prayer on your own, in your family, in the church. I see there's a Tuesday evening prayer meeting here. Consider that if you haven't already. Be encouraged by it. The means of grace, and now I want to mention to consider God's providence, to look for God and your experiences of his work in your life. Considering God's providence in your life will renew your strength. We don't have time to look into it, but we have David's example in 1 Samuel 17:37. This is where he drew strength from past experiences of God's power to face mighty Goliath. Because of the past providences of God delivering him from danger, he was able to stand up when no one else would and face Goliath. So consider trying to record this year, in writing, the providences of God in your life. And look back to them. Be reminded of them. How could you record these things? Maybe some do it the old-fashioned way, through journaling. Maybe some do it the more modern way, through social media. Oh, that our journals or social media posts would be a record of God's providence. And finally, consider your participation in the church. 
participating in the mission of God through this church will renew your strength. God is carrying out his mission of redemption here in Boston Spa. Christ's kingdom is expanded, expanding. It's empowered by the Holy Spirit, built on the foundation of the apostles through the church, through your church. And so consider your church participation, working through Scripture prayerfully with your pastor and elders. Find your fit for service in his kingdom. It will renew your strength when you use your time, your talents, and your treasures for his glory. Let me recap what we've covered today in this passage. We've talked about your need for renewed strength. Those who wait for the Lord get renewed strength from him, and therefore you need to wait for the Lord. In this passage, he points us to the great power that comes from Christ. He's called those who haven't yet trusted him to come to him in repentance and faith. And I've tried to start the brainstorming and give you some ideas, practical ways to wait upon the Lord for renewed strength. It's an amazing passage, so I do hope you have time to return to it this week, this year, and meditate on its wonderful truths. I wish each of you a happy new year. May God bless you richly in 2018 as you wait upon him and have your strength renewed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We give you praise for your word and for the strength it provides. We enter a new year, Lord, and we need your strength and we trust you will give it. Help each one here to grow in Christ-likeness, grow in dependence on you, to humble ourselves, to bring ourselves lower, that you might be brought higher, that you might be exalted. When we're tired, when anyone in here is having those questions pop into their mind, I pray that they would behold their God and you would draw close to them and they would have the divine strength. Bless this church, Lord. Bless each one here in 2018. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.